the first step in a, in a healthy prayer life is to always spend some time uh, before God in, in adoration. And I want to take a minute just to explain what I mean by adoring God. When, when we speak of this idea of adoring God, uh, I say every year that most of the time when, when we start praying, the first thing we do is we go right to asking God for something. We get on our knees and say, God, here are my problems. Here's what I need you to give me to make my problems better. And there's a place for that in prayer. But you will probably pray for the wrong things if you start on that side of the fence without actually getting before God and learning to love and adore him. And so what I mean by, by adoring God, and this is kind of true in all that we do in the Christian faith, it's getting to the place in our lives where we, we let our affections for God define what we do for him and what we ask of him. In other words, you start every prayer session by praying to God, by, by paying him honor. Now, adoration is just a fancy way of saying we're going to begin this morning by spending some time corporately and certainly individually praising God for who he is, and in particular, uh, some of the things that God does. So, for example, God is a good God. You know, we sing about that sometimes, but maybe we don't always experience it or feel it. We know that God is a just God. He's a, he's a mighty God. He's a God who is wise, a God who is caring, a God who loves us. He's a God who is, you know, uh, defined by mercy and grace. And so these are all things that if we can really anchor our hearts into this, they, they can really change us at the core of who we are. And so to adore God means we start meditating on who God is. We meditate on his promises and what he has done for us in Jesus. And we make it a point to remind ourselves that, that God, whether we feel this way or not today, God has been working in our lives since the day he has come into our lives. And doing this, really, really recognizing that God has a past with us, a present with us, and a future with us, it helps us to, to put our current life, no matter where it is today, in the mountaintop or the valley, it allows us to put it in a proper, uh, our circumstances into a proper perspective. Because deeply knowing that God is with you, and God is for you, and God loves you, and he is faithful to you, and that he has worked in your past and wants to work in your future, all of these things help us to, to let our circumstances uh, bow before God and not the other way around. The best examples we have of adoration in Scripture are probably found in the Psalms. This is my opinion, but I think it's a pretty strong one, where you have uh, David, right? He is going through some of the worst things. In fact, the Psalms are a great example of looking at people who just, life was rough, but yet they learned to love God devoutly during these seasons. And so you have David, who at points in this, he's, he's almost at the point of losing his life. He has major and significant trials going on in his life. But he always takes a moment before he gets to the trial to speak to God about how great he is. In other words, David knows firmly that his circumstances are serious, but they bow to God. So as we open this morning, spend some time adoring God. Rather than us praying today or beginning the day by just praying for what we need, let's spend some time reminding ourselves and asking God to remind us uh, who he is. And the way we'll do this is by following some instructions that are on the screen behind me, and then we'll sing together. So I'd like to ask you to read and reflect on Romans 8, verses 38 through 39. This will be behind me. I'll read it to you now. It says, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, or nor anything else in all of creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, Paul's saying it doesn't matter what's going on. God is with you. And so as you think through this verse and pray on it, ask yourself some of the questions that are behind me. Ask yourself, think, think about 2015. Do you or have you really adored God in your everyday life? When you think of your life, is it, is it defined by really thinking on God and meditating on him and experiencing who he is? Then spend some time focusing on what that means for your life. So for example, if, if God is a good God, we sing about that, right? If God is a good God, yet you don't experience his goodness, 
there's a question to ask there. Or if your life is defined by fear and skepticism and doubt, yet you sing about the fact that God is a trustworthy God, a, a just God, there's a, there's a disconnect there. What about the fact that God cares for you deeply? If you feel like maybe you're uncared for or you are lacking in quality or substantive relationships, ask yourself, do you really recognize that God cares for you deeply and loves you immeasurably? Meditate on these ideas, on, on God's love and his care for you like this, and ask yourself, are the ways that you adore God shaping the way that you live your life? Have they shaped your life? And certainly will they shape your life in this new year? Now take a couple of minutes and pray, and then we'll come together in song and move on to our next block. Adoring him. So after you adore God, something very natural should happen. I think one of the things you'll see in this paradigm is that each block kind of naturally segues, spiritually speaking, into the next one. And so after adoring God... It's important to focus on confessing our sin to God. Now, this is not a popular term today, but it is one that is essential to a vibrant faith in Jesus Christ. And confession in the Bible is really the act of asking God to remove from you anything that keeps you from fully experiencing who Jesus is. And so sometimes these things can uh, be moral issues. Maybe there's, a, there's something kind of binding us, some kind of a sin keeping us from fully experiencing Jesus. Other times they are emotional and spiritual issues. Maybe there's just a, a dark cloud over your life right now, or maybe you are in a spiritual funk. You know, these things happen. At times, uh, we might even be struggling with all three in our lives. So the bottom line is that unconfessed sin in any area of our lives keeps us from experiencing the fullness of life that, that Jesus offers us and God desires for us to have. And the beauty of confession is that when we bring these issues to God, whatever they are, there is a, a promise that he makes us. It's a promise that he's already made us. He promises to forgive us. He prob- promises to restore us. He promises to, to remake us into his image and to be a part of that that reconciliation promise. So you don't just get God's forgiveness, you actually get the presence of God to help you deal with your issue, whatever it is. So whenever you truly adore God, this is one of the ways that you can, you know, you can speak into your own life to see if you are. Where there is genuine adoration of God, it should always deeply remind us of, of who we're praying to. And in light of that, it should remind us of, of who we are. And sometimes that revelation can be a very encouraging one. Sometimes it might be a reminder of where we are not at with God. But no matter where it is, uh, it requires some kind of a confession of sin. Because these unconfessed heart attitudes, whatever they are, they will cause you very often to have a distorted vision of, of God, first and foremost, and, and even your life. You might see things in ways that are not accurate because you're seeing them through your own lens and not the grace of Jesus. So as we pray right now, it's important to think about this, to ask God to, uh, to bring a great grace and forgiveness to your life in the areas that need it. Only you know that, what those areas are. But nonetheless, ask yourself if there are places in your life that are, that are incongruent with where God would like you to be or with who he wants you to be. And for the next few minutes, we'll read and reflect on a very powerful verse from Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And it tells us this, uh, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I love what this teaches us. It's, it's showing us that the spiritual life is in a constant, uh, what we would call a spiritual evolution, a sanctification process. We are constantly figuring out what we should not be, but also resting in the power of who Jesus is to help us become uh, who we should be. And part of this process is the renewing of our mind. It's actually getting ourselves to a place where we are constantly meditating on who God is and what that means, what our lives, what they're supposed to look like in light of that. So for the next couple of minutes, spend some time in quiet reflection. 
asking God to show you uh, the areas of your life and heart that are not in agreement with who God calls you to be, how he calls you to live, who he wants you to be. Spend some time confessing these areas of your life to him and, and ask God to renew them. And I want to leave you with this one statement. Uh, be confident and at peace that God has already promised to forgive you and to help you overcome these things. His grace is great. And whatever your trials or challenges are, if there are any, God's grace is greater. So rest in the promise that his forgiveness is available, that he is present with you, and he wants to be with you during this time, and have a hearty session of, of putting yourself before God in confession. Now, after the confession of sin, the, the natural state of our heart should be to give thanks to God. And this is the, the true beauty of grace. So if you grew up in a Christian culture where sin was preached very hard without grace, it's an imbalance. Or maybe you grew up in a Christian culture where grace was preached very heavily without the reality of what grace was given to us for, the problem of sin. Or maybe you, don't, you grew up in a culture that didn't teach on any of those because you don't have a strong Christian upbringing. No matter where you find yourself, confession of sin when it is properly brought to God with the right heart, always leads to God uh, showing us his grace. And this should naturally lead us to a posture of, of spiritual thanksgiving. And so what I'm trying to say here is no matter what you're facing in life, especially when it is hard times, it's, it's hard to dispute that in the Bible the remedy for it is to discipline our hearts to find something to give thanks for during it. And that's often very hard to do, but nonetheless it is, it is a, it's a venture worth striving for. So, for example, maybe you feel like you are without something, and if that is the case, it's important to dig deep and really reflect on what God has already provided you with, because Scripture teaches us He's already provided for you. Sometimes we can't see or feel that, but the reality is He has. Or maybe you feel like people have left you or forsaken you. Whatever the issue is, it's important to dig deep and to focus on the reality of how God has already blessed you in that area. Even if the world leaves and betrays you, the presence of God is with you forever. So to give thanks, it really is the spiritual discipline of focusing your heart's attention away from the negative in life and onto the faithfulness of God. I'm not saying, you know, abandon negativity for positivity. I wish we could do that some days, but we can't. Sometimes we need a bridge to get us into the positive side of life. And this is where understanding the goodness and the grace and the fidelity of God, this is the bridge. This is the art of giving thanks to God for the goodness he has already shown you and remembering that he is always faithful to forgive and to heal the hurts that are keeping you from experiencing a fullness in Jesus. So whatever it is, his grace is there. It's really reminding ourselves that as Christians, we, we always have something to give thanks for. And this is the truth. Oftentimes, it is, it is emotion or feeling that keeps us from giving thanks. We feel like we have nothing to be thankful for, but the truth is, in Jesus we do. And so, if for nothing else or for nothing less, and I mean this as sort of a pun, because when I say if for nothing less, I mean this is the greatest thing ever, remember that the one thing you can always think, give thanks for is the fact that Jesus loves you, cares for you, is always gracious to you, and is always, to be, always willing to be there for you. His promises never betray us, even though the world around us might. We are never alone in what we deal with in life. And so one of the great and, and true sources of power in the Christian faith is learning to walk in a spirit of thanksgiving no matter what is happening in life. This is truly a spiritual muscle that has to be developed. We have to work it out, and we have to trust that God is ultimately going to bring that muscle to fruition. He's going to build that mass, if you will. And the more you practice this, the more likely you are to see an increased ability to give thanks in all circumstances. The greats of Scripture and the men and women that have shaped our faith are like this. They have learned to, to let Jesus be their mainstay no matter what happens in life. They have learned to dwell in the spirit of thanksgiving, even when it seems like there is nothing to be thankful for. 
And so in light of this, let's spend some time now digging deep for what we can give thanks for. I want you to follow the instructions that will be on the screen behind me and meditate on Psalm 118, verse 29, and I'll read this to you now. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Now, as you think about 2016, right, we're three days into it, I also want you to remember 2015. This is a great opportunity to to think about the ways that God has already blessed you. And I want to say this about blessing and about things you can be thankful for. Sometimes, uh, maybe right now you're thinking there is nothing to be thankful for in 2015. It was a hard year. I want to challenge you in that statement, and I want to ask you to rethink your perspective. Oftentimes, blessing and thanksgiving can be found and seen when we look at things and the ways that God looks at them. So hardship has a purpose. Trial has a purpose. Even the mountaintop has a purpose. Ask yourself if you're seeing your past year in light of the way God has seen your past year. And dig deep to find ways that God has been good to you, ways that God has shown you grace, ways through other people that God has shown his goodness and his grace to you. And I want you to do something very specific right now, whether you note stuff on paper or on a phone or whatever your recording mechanism is. If stuff comes to your head, and I hope it will, write that stuff down. Have a record of some of the ways God has blessed you in the past year so that you can remind yourself of this in the upcoming year. Let the rudder of what God has done uh, be the, the rudder that shapes your direction for the new year. Now take a few moments with the Lord in prayer and thinking about the way that he has blessed you and ways that you can, uh, you can absolutely and positively give thanks for his actions. Now, lastly, and deeply informed by the first three prayer blocks is to ask God to supply your needs. I promised we would get to this, and here's why. Uh, In a number of places in the Bible, you know, we're told to pray for the desires of our heart. That is a genuine command that Scripture gives us. We're told to ask Jesus for anything and to, without shame, make the needs and requests of our hearts known to God. One of the great classes I had in seminary, It's on the parables of Jesus, and I'll never forget uh, the parable of persistent prayer, knocking, 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 knocking. In other words, we have the right and the privilege to go to God and to bring things before him that are needs. And so it's a real blessing that we can pray to God like this and that he listens. The big caveat here, though, is that as we're knocking and as we're praying persistently, that we always make sure our, our desires and our requests are in line with God's desires and requests for our lives. And that is really what we're about to pray for right now. And so when you pray, it's important to always pray for your needs and desires last. Because when you begin praying with adoration, when you begin with the confession of sin, when you start experiencing a spirit of thanksgiving, it starts to change the way you see the things you are bringing to God. Your needs are going to change. Needs and problems, no matter seem, they no longer seem as big as they might have at the beginning of this. They always seem to look smaller when you begin to compare them with your, with your king, with your savior. Praying for your needs last does a simple thing. It causes you to focus first on who God is. When you go to what you need, you likely will bypass the God you go to who can supply what you need. When you go to what you need first, you might even bypass what his will is for your life. And so the great thing about doing this is the more time that you spend dwelling on God's desires for your life, adoring him, confessing him, giving thanks for who he is, the more likely you are to begin praying for things that are in line with the heart of God, the things that are the very best things for your own life. So when you pray like this, I want you to pray this morning before you even ask. Ask God to give you some of the things that really shape how you see life. 
Ask him if he'll provide you with greater wisdom. Because James says if we ask for that, he'll give it to us. Ask him to provide you strength and peace. Because when you do these things, when you start to pray in light of these attributes God bestows upon you, you'll begin to tune yourself into the true will of your Heavenly Father in the midst of whatever it is you're dealing with or going through or however you're seeing your upcoming year. You'll be reminded that nothing can change how much God loves you. When you look at life through God's eyes before you ask for something, it will always change the way you see your circumstances and what you ask for. So as we pray for our needs, and I want to encourage you to, to go to God's throne boldly as you do this, I want you to do this in light of Hebrews 4.16. Read and reflect on this during our prayer time, and I'll read it to you now. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Hebrews is saying, go with absolute confidence that God loves you and cares for you and wants to provide what is best for you. Take time to ask God to supply your needs in the upcoming year by first asking him for wisdom and guidance. Let that frame what you ask for. Ask him to make the desires of his heart known to you first. Ask him what opportunities you have to serve him in 2016. How does he want to use your life? And then after that, begin to pray for the particular things you already know you need to face the things you need to deal with in the upcoming year. So maybe it's a transition in a job. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's finances. I don't know. You know, though. Pray for these things. And each year I ask you to pray for our church. Pray for our church's health, its growth, its mission, its ability, something we're going to be talking about in these months that come, to have the loudest voice for Jesus Christ in our neighborhood. And what I mean by that is that wherever our people go, there is a presence of Jesus that goes with us. Pray for that too. We're going to use this time to... To, to ask God to supply our needs and to respond to the way that he leads us. And so one of the changes we'll make today is rather than having a separate time of response, we'll use this time for you to, to speak to God and listen to him. And so every week at Restoration, we ask you guys to do three important things, to connect your life to Christ, to grow in him, and to serve, in him, serve him. So if you're here today and you're not connected to Jesus, if you're, you're hearing about God's goodness, but maybe you've not experienced it, or you need to experience it in a refreshed way, plug your heart into Christ this morning. If you're here looking for a church family, plug your life into this body. Grow in Jesus. Don't let this be another year where, where maybe you dabble on the fringes of Christianity. Let this be the year that you plunge headfirst into the pool of the goodness and the grace of Jesus. Grow in him. Serve. Give your life back to him. If you're a partner here at Restoration, this is the time where we give our tithes and our offerings. We have a responsibility to support the mission and the ministry of our church. I pray that you will uh, oblige that as I will. If you're visiting, simply do as the Lord leads. But during this time, really make this an opportunity to get before God and to bring your needs to him, but also be receptive to what he might ask of you, the needs he has of you in this upcoming year. Now focus your time and your heart and your prayer on the Lord, and then we'll end in a time of worship.